thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Uh, Awesome. Hey, uh, not only are we excited about uh, being in the prayer chapel um, for 21 days of prayer, but guys, come on, sometime this spring, we're gonna start meeting in there. I got faith, let's go, let's go. So we'll keep you uh, updated on what it'll look like, but um, we're working uh, as, as quickly as we can. We don't have a hard date yet, um, but that day is coming uh, that we'll start meeting on Sundays in there. And so add that to your prayer list for 21 days, but it's gonna be great. I'm so excited, I can hardly stand it. Um, hey, make sure and pick up one of these uh, uh, like Pastor Kyle said, one of the things that is in here uh, is a fasting guide. And I think that's significant because for some of you, fasting is new. And so in here, it'll, it'll share different ways to fast. And I love that. I think uh, he's put in here a Daniel fast, comfort fast, juice fast, water fast. There's no chief's fast in here because that would not be the Lord. And so just kidding. Oh, just kidding. All right. So there we go. Um, okay. All right. Don't know how today's going to go. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is really great. And so uh, uh, I want to encourage you guys to fast something, even if it's something small, even if you're just fasting Twitter, <laughs> you might find the Lord. So um, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, uh, hey uh, okay, we're going to start a new series today called uh, Praying Church. Um, but before uh, I start talking, I want you to see one of the videos of one of the prayer meetings in our house in Colorado to see uh, some of the prayer meetings, because this church started with prayer meetings. So there's prayer meetings there before we even came here, and then prayer meetings here. But it's just kind of fun, because you can see uh, some of the people that are on staff here in the video. So let's watch that real quick. It's just kind of fun. This is just for good, clean fun and a real swell time. That's Dawson in orange. That's Gabby in the denim. That's Paul Barker in the gray. This is prayer meetings. There it is. Okay, that's it. I just wanted you to see that. I just think it's so fun. I'm very nostalgic, and I love all those people. So um, I want to begin this Praying Church series. We'll be in this series for four weeks. And I'd like us to just begin kind of like a school of prayer. So today, uh, I actually have three examples of New Testament prayer meetings, five principles that influence effective prayer, and three practices of a Radiant Church prayer meeting. So we'll be done at 2 p.m. And uh, just kidding. I'm going to talk a little bit fast. Um, uh, But but I want to go after just this simple idea. And we all know this one, but it's just the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. I want to go after... Okay, we want, to, we want to pray those effective prayers. How can we pray strategically and effectively? Paul says in Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and here's the phrase, faithful in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be a praying church. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come, cause our hearts to come alive. Let the word of God be alive in our minds and in our hearts. God, we pray that we would labor in the spiritual realm, that we would be faithful in prayer, that that we would be people that see effective prayers in our church. We pray, Lord, that the fires of prayer would burn bright at Radiant. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. 
Charles Spurgeon, the famous British preacher, often had preachers that wanted to learn how to do church like he did church. And so they would come visit his church thinking that he would primarily teach them how to preach, but he would take them to the basement of their church to the Monday night prayer meeting. And his famous statement was, this prayer meeting is the powerhouse of the church. And at my core, I believe that the very core of who we're called to be is to be a praying church and that God's called us to do a lot of things. So we're gonna work diligently to uh, see people who are far from God be brought near so that the, the lost will be rescued. And we're gonna work diligently to help people become disciples of Jesus. And so whether that's in small groups or whatever processes that we can do that so that we can help disciple families, we wanna help people step into their calling, like what God's got on your life. We want to serve the city. We'll do serve day. We want to make a difference by uh, trying to touch and help um, the nations, young people. So all those ministries, all those things, but at the core, the engine, the, the powerhouse, the place where there's supernatural activity, because if it's just our efforts, it will be in vain. But when God is at work, when God is doing stuff, then all that ministry just flows. So the very core, the very center is to be a praying church. So I wanna give you just three different examples. I was reading in Acts and saw these three different prayer meetings that took place in Acts. And here's my goal with these three, that you would think, my oh my, the prayer meeting is the place to be, right? Like the prayer meeting is a place where I see God at work, all right? So look at this, Acts chapter four, Famous moment where they're experiencing persecution, early church, and then there's a prayer as they're experiencing persecution for boldness. So it says this, uh, let's pick up, why do the nations rage, in the, and, and that's quoting Psalm 2, and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before our hand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. So they're coming against us. Consider their threats and enable your servants. That's us. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place they were, where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. So in the context of the prayer meeting, experiencing persecution, the prayer is make us bold. So early church prayer, make us bold. We often don't have a whole lot of prayer for boldness because we live in a consumer culture. And so most of the time we tend to pray like we consume. So we tend to turn our prayers mostly into God, help me, bless me. God, I need you. God, change this for me, change that for me. There's nothing wrong with that, all right? But as we mature, as we grow, we start to care about others. And a prayer for boldness is a care for others. And so here they are experiencing persecution and their prayer is God, make us bold. God, now's the moment. Here's our opportunity to be your church. We're gonna go through persecution and suffering. They're gonna end up rejoicing as they go through suffering. And their prayer is make us bold, give us courage. And then supernaturally, God gives boldness. So they began to speak the word of God boldly. boldly. So in the prayer meeting, if you hadn't come to the prayer meeting, you wouldn't encounter the moment 
where they experience this supernatural boldness. Okay, let's look at the next one. Acts uh, chapter 12. And I think, I think that's significant because I think if today in 21st century America, I, in 21st century Kansas City, I think that God needs us to be a bold church. I think that right now um, we live in a time where it's easy for us to be quiet and fearful. A.W. Tozer says, a scared world needs a fearless church. It's vital that right now, the people of God are filled with boldness. So it's not just for your sake, God, make, give me courage and make me bold so that I'm not weak. No, for their sake, for the sake of the world that needs c- courageous people. Like, like you look at the story of John Wesley um, as he is in a shipwreck and the Moravians are singing songs to God during the middle of this storm. This, it, what, the ship wasn't wrecked, but they, he thought it was gonna be wrecked. And the Moravians had courage and boldness in the midst of the storm and caused John Wesley to say, wow, I wanna visit your community. I want what you have. I need more of God. And that's what happens when we have boldness and courage in the middle of whatever storm we're in, whatever storm you're in, when you have supernatural boldness given by God, then it causes other people to want what you have. So one of the ways that the church is weak is if we don't have boldness, if we don't have courage. So in this context here in the early church, you've got in Acts 4 where God gives boldness when there's a request. God, make us bold. Acts chapter 12 is another one. And this is the story where Peter's in prison and they're praying, the church is gathering, praying for Peter to be uh, released. And so the church has gathered asking God for Peter's deliverance And then let's pick it up here in verse 12. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this, hand, when this had dawned on him, he went to that. So he's just been rescued. And now he's going to the place where they're praying. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So there's the praying church gathering to pray for Peter to be rescued from prison. Peter knocked at the... Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Here's what they responded. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Acts 4, prayer meeting. God, make us bold. God gives boldness. Acts 12 prayer meeting. We're praying for miracles. Set Peter free. And God sets Peter free supernaturally. Peter comes, knocks on the door, and then astonishment. One of the things that happens in a context of the local church gathering to pray is that God works supernaturally. It's a place where we would say, wow, God, you're working that Ephesians 3 to do immeasurably more than I could ever hope or imagine. God, you're at work. So the praying church right there didn't know that Peter was actually being set free as they prayed, but God was at work in ways that they they were praying for, but couldn't see. In the same way, when we gather and we pray, God does some things that we'll see. Peter might show up and knock on the door and some things we may not ever see till heaven. But when you pray, God works. God works supernaturally. So our call is to be faithful in prayer. All right, so miraculously, Peter comes. And I love that idea because I'm believing God that even in this quick season that we have of 21 days, that we'll see miracles, that we'll see God at work. And so Radiant Church, 
Even when you look at the praying church so far, and God's got a lot for us in the future, got a lot in the present, but even in our past, there's got to be moments where we would say, God, you are working supernaturally. God, you have used this, this portable, brand new church to see thousands of young people gather. God, you supernaturally provided a brand new building that's, that's bigger than we could imagine, right? God, you're at work. We've seen people healed physically that causes doctors and us to have our jaws drop. Wow, only God could do that. So when we pray, God works and he's working in ways far beyond even what we can just see. He's doing miracles. So, he's, so boldness is a result. Miracles are a result. And then Acts 13, the next chapter, this next one. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul for the work, for the work, set them apart for the work to do for, for them to do the work, which I have called them. So it's, it's work that God has called them to do calling work, labor, mission, purpose. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So this Acts 13 prayer meeting is a prayer meeting. There's a burden. God's got to work. There's something, there's calling. There's something that God has called me to do. And many of us live much of our lives pursuing what the culture tells us to pursue. Our own happiness, our own comforts. And it's often in the place of the prayer meeting where you will have moments or just like in Acts 13, there is a work that God has called you to do. And it could be alone with the Lord, like Kyle was talking about a moment ago. And in the context of prayer meetings, for me, I remember a moment I was in a prayer meeting and I was 21 years old and I had a burden that I just couldn't shake. I just, I wanted uh, to go labor and work to help teenagers know God. I just remember, I mean, it was red carpet. I mean, there was some guy that was a little weird dancing around me. And I was kind of trying to avoid that guy. And just, I just remember like, wow, like this moment, it was a moment where God called me to the work. And there's some of you that will, will have current boredom. Like you look at your life and you're a little bit just what, a, it's mundane, it's routine. It doesn't have, because you're not, you're, you're not, you haven't stepped into the, what God wants to use you to do. There is a work that God wants you. And it could be that in a context of a prayer meeting, that, that there'll be supernatural boldness. Could be in the context of a prayer meeting that you'll see miracles and be astonished and go, wow, I could have never even imagined. Look at that. And it could be in the context of a prayer meeting that you suddenly go, oh, I'm suddenly bored with all the cultural narratives that just tell me house, car, fame, finance, trips, Mm. kingdom, eternity, souls saved, bodies healed, what lasts forever, worthiness of the lamb, worship forever and ever. Wow. And, and, and it's actually in the place of prayer where you shift narratives because we, we, we scroll so much on one narrative. This, it, it almost seems crazy to live for eternity. Almost seems crazy to live for the kingdom. Almost seems crazy to labor in the spiritual realm for people we want to just com be comforted in the physical realm and just comfort food, comfort entertainment, comfort clothes, comfort me. But that there's actual supernatural joy when you step out of that and step into what God has. And so 
Uh, that's what we're dreaming about is that we would gather together and that we would labor in these prayer meetings. Now, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that every prayer meeting is amazing. I'm not saying that every prayer meeting there's, wow, supernatural boldness. And hey, is Peter knocking on the door? I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that every meeting, it has the sizzle factor, right? In fact, I would also, I would say that there's some, um, there's some glories, there's some excellence, there's some beauty, there's some wonderfulness in a rather average prayer meeting. Like a prayer meeting that doesn't necessarily have all that. Meaning it's the container where we come before the Lord and we labor in love and we're faithful in prayer. We're, we're faithful in what God's called us to do. So it might not necessarily uh, feel always that exciting, but because you're committed to the kingdom cause instead of the cultural cause, you enjoy the laboring in the spiritual realm. You enjoy being with God. So for example, if you're committed, if you're committed to having a strong physical body, every workout might not be awesome. In fact, none might ever be awesome, right? <laughs> You might, you, you might not max out that day, but because you're committed to the cause, you're like, oh, I made sure and fit it in my rhythm today. And, and it was a solid day. So we're committed to the kingdom cause. And sometimes it's like that prayer meeting. You go in, you, you pray, you seek God, you labor in the spiritual realm. And because you're committed to the kingdom cause, you go, wow, a little bit of um, excellence in even that habit, that rhythm, that being faithful here, when we read in Acts, there was the early church and they were faithful at the time of prayer. There's a time to, that we just, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is a part of our identity. What we do is pray. And so some, some prayer meetings are a little bit boring. Not all of them are amazing. Some of them are, are just, we, we did what God's called us to do. Uh, if, like for, for Renat and I, um, we're, we're committed, our phrase is, we're committed to a five-star marriage. All right, so we made that phrase up. Uh, but I learned that because when I was growing up, um, I, you know, would, not, uh, when I grew up, I grew up going to like 1.5 star hotels, right? And um, once, I, once I got married uh, to Renata, I learned that the travel lodge just wasn't going to work as well. And so um, that's my joke. I said, oh, I got a five star girl. So uh, we don't really go five stars. It's just my joke. But anyway, and so, uh, but, but because you're we're committed to that marriage, then there's a date night on Sunday night. And the date night, it's not like every date. I mean, I, would, I try, but it's not like every date. Renata's like, wow, right? This is incredible. Uh, no, oftentimes it's the same thing. Split the fajitas, water for both. All right, good tip. No dessert, no drinks, let's go. All right, like, okay. But it's committed to that container because of the commitment to the cause. And so when we're committed to the kingdom, when we're committed to being the church that Jesus called us to, it, you, you don't just go thinking I'm coming just because it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. In some ways, in some ways, um, that middle portion is just love between the exciting moments. I'm just, God, I love you. So I pour out my heart. We sang it. I pour my life on you or something like that. Like I'm pouring out my life. And so I am voluntarily foregoing Netflix to go to the Tuesday night meeting. And here I am, God, and I'm, I'm asking your kingdom come. And so I'll pray these prayers where we pray for the city and I'll pray these prayers where we pray for the nations and I'll pray these prayers where we're praying for young people and I'll pray these prayers, believing God again for miracles. And it's, it's, it's love overflowing. I want what you want, God. And so I wanna invite you to that kind of commitment to the prayer meeting where sometimes it's wow, boldness. Wow, miracles. Wow, calling. And sometimes it's amen. 
Good prayer meeting. Mm. Right? Okay. Now, I'm not sure if you got that. But anyway, um, let, me, let, me, let me hit this. So when we're, when we're laboring for effective prayer, that James 5, we're laboring for effective prayer. There are some things in the scriptures that help us learn what it looks like to be effective. So I just want to give just a few bullets on growing effective for you as an intercessor. So if you have this worldview, then it helps your prayer life. These are just components to help you be effective. Number one, we want to pray according to God's will. So what first John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. So this is a statement against coming before God and treating him like Santa. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Where we use God as a means to accomplish our end. Where we use God to just say, give me what I want. This is where we say, I'm your servant. Uh, I'm a disciple. I, I want what you want. So I'm partnering with you. I, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I care about. If you look at Jesus, Jesus is always talking to his father. He's always getting alone with his father. You could see by the life of Jesus that the joy of his life was to be with his father. And he said, I only do what I see my father doing. Like he's into his father and that's us. We're like, okay, I'm into what you're doing. I care about what you want. And so God, I want your will. So I'm gonna choose to pray these prayers, asking God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And that affects how you pray. Second one is this, faith. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask for it. Ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because one who doubts is like a wave of the wind blown and tossed, a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So another variable, another dynamic, another uh, something that affects effective prayer is your faith. First, God, I want your will. Second is your faith. We see Jesus responding this way to people frequently. He looks at them and they'll come and they'll ask him for something. And he says, wow, you have great faith. I tell you to this, about this Roman centurion, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Or woman, you have great faith. Matthew 15, you're, you're, what you ask for is granted. It's wow, I see that faith. So we wanna come before our God and we wanna come and we wanna pray. I want your will. So it's, it's the morphing out of my agenda and we're trying to get God's agenda. God, what do you wanna do? Then we're building in this, I wanna pray with faith. God, help me have faith. Let me believe and God rewards faith. A third one is persistence. There's many times that we see Jesus talking about this. I wanna highlight just this one parable where it's the context of a neighbor asking for bread. And Jesus gives the idea that oftentimes uh, when you would have someone who, a neighbor who would ask for bread, it was the persistence. It, it wasn't necessarily the heart of the neighbor. Or there's another one where in Luke 18, where he does a judge and he's saying essentially the same idea where the nature of the persistence, the nature of the asking moves God's heart. And that's hard for us as Americans. I'll talk about it in a minute. But this is a variable in prayer. This, Jesus made it. When we just read Jesus, he is so clear on this idea of persistence. Verse eight, I say to you, though he will not rise, and this is when he asks for bread, and give to him because 
He is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door is open. So when you're laboring in the spiritual realm, it's the same way that we would labor in the physical realm. If we're gonna labor in the physical realm to, to, to make a difference, to uh, be a part of the kingdom of God, then we would uh, do what we do on serve day, where we're gonna say we're gonna serve our city. Or people on the dream team set all this up. They're, they're laboring in the physical realm. And when you pray, you're laboring in the spiritual realm. You're partnering with God. You're saying, God, I want your will to be done. So I'm gonna align my affections, my words, my life with what you want. And I'm gonna talk to God. I'm gonna commune with God. I'm gonna dialogue with God. And that's what he wants. What he wants is he wants relationship. So you're, you're in a partnership with God. And this, this variable, this idea of persistence, there's a lot to this. One of the things that happens by persisting in prayer is a strengthening of the relationship. So you bec- it's a statement of dependence. It's a statement of, I'm not God, you're God. And I'm gonna come before you and ask over and over and over again. When I was about 25, um, I was at a men's event and I was talking on this idea of persistence. And this guy came up to me afterwards, it was a men's breakfast, and he said, I do not like that idea. I, 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 can't, I can't buy into a God that wants me to ask him for things. And I was a little bit intimidated because he was about 6'5", and I was 5'5", and uh, I was 25, and he was like 55. And so I was like, uh, you know, uh, this is what the Bible says. But what I did say is, It is normal for us, even in our masculine culture, even in our consumer culture, to not want to be dependent on anyone. We've grown up with, hey, I can can do it by myself. But this persistence is a way of saying, I am wholly dependent on you. I'm gonna ask again. My financial resources, my physical resources, my intellectual resources do not compare to the resources of heaven. So God... Here I am, like a child, asking again, seeking, knocking, believing in faith that when I ask, a door is opened. And God, you are at work through the prayers of the saints. Fourth one is, is numbers. It's as many people praying as possible. Now, I know that that is hard for some people. I just can't read the New Testament and not believe it. I just watched Paul constantly mobilizing prayer. Like he is desperate to get people to pray for him. It's, it's as if he has a worldview that believes the more people praying, the better. If there are more people mobilized to prayer, it's people who are laboring in the spiritual realm that have spiritual say-so, that are asking God for his will to be done. And Paul frequently does it. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Second Thessalonians 3, 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not everyone has faith. First Thessalonians 5, 25. Brothers, pray for us. Real simple. Boom, right there. Ephesians 6, he says, and pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I might fearlessly or boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. It's this idea. Paul is all about mobilizing prayer. So you could say, uh, if you look in the physical realm, 
if, if, if Nathan and I were going to try to uh, lift that right there, all right, um, it would be challenging for the two of us to lift that, right? But if we were to get 12 men over there and lift, or and women, 15, whatever, and we were going to lift, lift that, we could lift it. It'd be easier, right? So in some ways, in the spiritual realm, when we're praying. It's all of us coming before. This is in the Old Testament. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There's, it's a people. It's a united people. There's something in the heart of God when people are united in prayer, when they're gathered together in the upper room, when they're united together and they're praying for boldness, when they're gathering together and they're praying for miracles, when they're gathering to, together and they're praying, God says, here, I'm going to send these people out to do mission. There's something about the gathered saints praying, united, mobilized together that God goes, I'll work with my people. And so that's why we gather together and we want to pray. We want to pray over your prayer requests. We believe that when we pray in the prayer meeting, that when we gather together and we say, God, have your way, God's at work. So in addition to God's will and in addition to faith and persistence, straight up, we want as many people praying as possible. And I think another variable that it's good to know is that we are in a spiritual battle. I like the way Renata says it. This ain't heaven yet, right? <laughs> like, we're, we're, when, you, when, you, when you read Paul, he's got a warfare worldview. It is, it is uh, in our culture, um, it's not applauded or esteemed to, to believe in demonic activity and people think you're weird. But you gotta know, we're in a spiritual battle. We, we, there is, a real, there is a, a real spiritual war going on. Paul says this uh, in Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Implication, the devil has schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. So your prayer meeting, your prayer life, your effectiveness in prayer, you gotta have in your worldview that the devil prowls around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. That there is a real spiritual battle. So, so you don't want to go light on prayer. You don't want to take it casually. You don't want to pretend as if spiritual warfare is not real. And these, if you take, if you take some of those, I'm just calling this radiant school of prayer today because I just felt like a battering ram. Okay, we're going into 21 days. I just want you to see that this matters. That the prayers of the saints matter, that when we pray, God does stuff and that these prayers are not just um, kind of like checking a beautiful spiritual box with my church. It's, it's, it's kingdom work that we're doing. It matters. This is, this is us partnering with God to be a part of what he's doing on the planet. So let me give you just a few practical things for our prayer meetings this week. Um, one of the things that we'll do is we're going to pray the scriptures. And the, one of the things that happens with the pray the scriptures is that we're making sure that we're praying God's will. I, I started leading prayer meetings when I was a ninth grader. And this took me a while to learn because in ninth grade, you just let anybody pray for whatever. And it's, it's crazy. It's cray cray town, right? So, um, and then you start to hate the prayer meeting because the crazy people take over and you, you just you hate it. And so, um, you, so, so in that, it, what I learned over time is when we pray biblical prayers, it keeps everybody together praying God's will. 
And one of the other things I learned is that it was, it was a way to learn and fall in love with the scriptures. So I love academic, you know, learning the Bible that way. Um, so I worked on an undergraduate and a master's degree, and, but I don't know the scriptures mostly from that, from an education. Praying the scriptures helped me learn the scriptures far more than a theological education. So if we'll come together and we pray, it keeps us praying God's will. It keeps, it keeps God's word right at the center. And so one of the things you'll experience if you come to one of the prayer meetings this week is you'll experience us praying the scriptures. A second thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for the lost. One of the greatest joys you'll ever have in your life is somebody that you've been praying for months for. And laboring in prayer for the lost is hard work. Laboring in prayer. I was in a prayer meeting this week where person after person just cried as they were praying for people that they knew that didn't know Jesus. And one of the reasons why there's tears, it's not just because of the pain of, and the sorrow of the person that's lost. It's because they have so connected with God's heart for that person through prayer that they've started to care for that person like God cares. So if you buy into a cultural narrative, you'll just say, well, everybody is like that. And you know, we'll see if the God thing is really real. And one day we'll see if heaven's really real. But if you pray for the Philippians one says, I long for you with the affections of Christ. And this is my prayer. How do you get to the place where you actually long for people with God's heart, stand in the gap for them in prayer? And you will watch God give you his heart for them. Why? Because you're his partner. He's, he's using you to be his hands and his feet. So you'll start to care for them with a supernatural caring. So when we pray for the prodigals to come home, and, and it's all of us doing all of our part. You, I mean, you can only pray for so many people but you stand in the gap and you start to pray for people, it will rearrange your schedule. I have people that I'm praying for that I rearrange flights so that I can go see them because I've been praying for them for years. So it doesn't make financial sense and it doesn't make time sense, but there's a seed of God at work. And I know those men are who God wants in the kingdom. And I'm believing God. And so that sense of purpose and mission is far better than just waiting for the next season to come out on Netflix. You start to live with caring about the, what God cares about and being a part of his, his divine mission and, and, and laboring in prayer. It's hard. It's believing. Sometimes you see parents, tears, they're praying for children. Sometimes you see uh, people who have labored in prayer for their friends and they've worked at it and they prayed and they don't know why they keep getting entangled with the things of this world, but they care. It's hard work. It's labor. It's labor to believe again because we want to quit. What we want to do is we just want to go punt. Done with that. I believed, I prayed and nothing happened except you're not God, except you can't see all things. He does, except you don't have all power. He does. There will be a day where we will stand before God. And when you look at the past, you'll go, God used the prayers of the saints to make a measurable difference on the earth. They'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you that. No, God, you used the prayers ninth grade with a mullet. We sang that same song every, every single day. Lord, I lift your name on high. Same song. Lord, I love to sing your praises. Same song. Ninth grade kids used those prayers 
to make a difference there and that, and you were working. Hey, do you remember I said, asking you'll receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be for everyone who asks, receives. Oh God, if I could have seen then what I see now, I would be diligent in prayer instead of avoiding it and just watching more things on a screen, just filling up my house with more godlessness. And I, no, I would have given myself to prayer. And he'll say, I didn't tell you to understand it. I told you to do it like a child. I told you to be a practitioner. I told you to come before me and told you that I give good gifts like a good father wants to give iPads. Just kidding. Like a good father wants to give an egg, not a scorpion. Like a good father wants to give food, not rocks. I want to give good gifts to my children. And every time that you pray, it mattered. Whoo! Wow. So when you come before God and you're laboring for the lost, and I just want this to get in us. Because I just think, I, th I think that if you'll live on mission for that, it will slowly push out some lesser things. Uh, in Colorado Springs, when I was working with young adults, we had this wall where we would, where we would pray for the proper names over people. You know, we just pray for them to come to know Jesus. And one of the most enjoyable moments is when a barista at Starbucks gave her life to Jesus or came to, came to the service, gave her life to Jesus, started to get plugged into the church, started to get connected to the prayer ministry, walked into the prayer room, went in and saw her name on the lost wall with her name crossed off and it said saved, right? So what we want to do is we want to just like mm, the, the prayer meeting is the powerhouse of the church. God, far beyond the talents of the people that were invited her. God, far beyond the skill set of the people. It's God at work. That Daniel 10 text where Daniel, from the first moment that you set your heart to understand, your words were heard and I, the angel, I've come in response. An angel dispatched from heaven. Why? Prayer. Nah, but prayer is for the weird people. Yep. Welcome to Christianity. No, I don't want to be weird. You believe that this is not all there is. You believe in Jesus. You, you, you believe that he has not only saved you, but he's redeemed you and he's got a purpose for you. And you believe that God uses the prayers of weak people to make a difference. So in a culture that is sometimes agnostic or atheistic or at least leaving God out, no, you're the kind of person that believes God at work in and through me, faithful in prayer. That's my prayer for us. I'm believing God that will faithfully ask God, labor. And the last one is I just want us to pray for each other. We're gonna to gather together, we're gonna to pray. Just like there would be Acts 4 boldness, just like there would be Acts 12 miracles, just like there would be Acts 13 calling I believe that when we gather together, the best thing that we can do is pray for one another. We'd all be really grateful if we were to try to give something physical that we have to another person. You'd say, wow, you're gonna give me your clothes. You're gonna you know, give me money or you're gonna give me your car. You're gonna give me you know, whatever resources you have. That would, you, you would want that. Prayer is meeting the needs of people with God's resources. All right? I'm going to pass on what God has. 
I mean, it's, it's called intercession. It's a big word. I'm going I'm to stand in the middle and God, I'm going to ask for what you want for this person. So, so what God can do, not just what I can do, that's very little, but what God can do. So you find person after person in the Bible, in the gospels, come before Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is severely demon possessed. She needs freedom. Asking, asking, asking. Jesus, resources of heaven. Do a miracle. Intercessor. That person plays a part in that miracle. Roman centurion. Jesus. My servant needs healing. Jesus. He needs help. Man in the middle. Okay? Resources of heaven. Miracle. Roman centurion. Wow. Jesus, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. Wow, that's, oh, the privilege of this role to call upon God, say, God, have your way, do a miracle. When Jairus stands in intercession for his daughter, Jesus, my little girl, she's dying. Resources of heaven, Jesus, wake up, little girl. Place of prayer is a place of privilege. The gathering of the saints in the prayer meeting is a delightful opportunity to call upon God and see him at work. Not every prayer meeting is gonna be, wow, where you feel things, but every prayer meeting makes a difference. Every prayer meeting is laboring in the spiritual realm. And this is what the people of God have done for 2000 years. Be a praying people. God, be at work. God, have your way. God, not my agenda on the planet, your agenda on the planet. You bow your heads with me. Take a moment. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds. Would you pray for one person that you know that needs Jesus, that's lost? Now would you just take 10 seconds and would you just dialogue with God? Ask him what he's inviting you to in terms of this fast. Many of you have already settled that. Some of you might just sense it right now. Now would you just, last one, take 10 seconds, ask God. Is there a prayer meeting I can be a part of this week? Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that the fires of prayer would burn bright at Radiant Church. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your strength, your power. We need the evidence of God among us, a praying church. Our own skill sets, our own abilities fall so short, but God at work, wow. Who knows what'll happen? So Spirit of God, come. I pray for each person in this room, every intercessor, each one, turn here in the early days of our church, turn this into a praying church. Cause us to fall in love with being people that pray. If you're in the room or online today and you would say, I'm actually one of those people that's far from God. 
but I don't want to be. The same Jesus who saved, rescued, healed a couple thousand years ago is still saving now. And he'll save you. And what, what you do is you come before him and you say, I receive your life, Jesus. If that's you, you go, I want that. I want, I want new life in Christ. I want eternity with Christ. I want, to, I want to walk with Christ now. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Begin your journey as a follower of Christ. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Save me. Change me. Make me a new person. I don't want to go my way. I'll go yours. Have your way in me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. Save me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. I want to invite our ushers to come forward. We're going to conclude uh, singing together and taking up the offering together. I just want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for going on this journey of believing God for this new building in a couple ways. One, um, thank you for just giving. This is the, the way that we've been able to get this new building and now start to dream about all the ways that we can renovate it to make it great in the future. It's because of you and God through you. And I'll thank you for that. I want to thank you for being a people that pray. I showed you that video. I don't know. That might've been weird. I just, I just felt like, man, like it, this is what it looks like. Like it doesn't have lights. It doesn't have like cool hipsters with, you know, like, like Jacob's not at every prayer meeting. You know, you don't have, but it's these, it's these prayer meetings with just average, broken people that need, want and are hungry for God. That God breaks in and God starts new things. And who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will do through you? Who knows the things that will be birthed just by us coming together? It won't be this fancy. There's no, I mean, it's, it's different. I'm not saying this is that fancy, but, it, but, but it's beautiful. We labor together and pray together. Anyway, I love it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the privilege of being your people. Following Jesus is the best way to live on the planet. And you've rescued us. You've transformed us. You've given us your supernatural power. And you're making hurting, broken people shine bright the light of Jesus to our generation. So God, we say, as we begin this new year, 2024, oh God, do a fresh work in us. Oh God, we give you our first and our best. We give you every day we come before you, we spend time with God. We give you the first and the best of our day. Every week we come on a Sunday, we give you our first and our best. We give you our Sunday morning and we stand in the congregation and we declare the worthiness of Jesus. And God, here at the beginning of 2024, we take these 21 days, we pray, we fast, we say, God, have your way. Take what we give in Jesus' name. Amen.